A man dropped into a bank and found the clerk chatting on the phone about new restaurants in town. After three minutes of exchanging dark glances with the man, she told the caller, Hold on a minute, I'm being interrupted by a customer. Good service is hard to come by these days, but when we serve others without expecting anything in return, people notice. You don't have to have a college degree or a master's degree or a doctorate degree to serve. You only need what he says, a heart full of what? Grace, a soul that is generated by love. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. If the church is going to reach the world for Christ, we must recognize that as our ability to serve goes, so does our effectiveness to win the world for Christ. This week, Charles Tapp begins a new series of messages titled, Going Beyond the Walls, and offers practical solutions to showing God's love with part one, the power of the serve. As many of you know, I'm sure by now, tennis, not basketball, not football, is my all-time favorite sport. Can the church say amen? And it's not my favorite sport because I like watching it on television. But I used to play it when I was in, oh, don't you just love that sound? I used to play varsity tennis when I was in high school. And whether you love to watch tennis or to play tennis, you know that the most powerful shot in tennis is not the backhand. <clears throat> it is not the forehand. Well, that feels so good. But the most powerful shot in tennis is what? A serve. Whether you hit a flat serve at 130 miles per hour, as I used to do when I was in high school, in high school, or whether you have this deceptively destructive slice, or even if you hit it with a monstrous kick, the serve is the most powerful shot in tennis. Not just because it's the first shot to start the game, the match, but it's also the first shot that you use for each and every game of the match. And there's a saying in tennis that says, as your serve goes, so goes the game. I was thinking about that this week as I was preparing for this message and it hit me that the same is true with the church. When it comes to our ability to serve, how we serve has a great impact on our effectiveness in being the church, the church that God has called us to be, the church that God has placed us in this world to do just that, to serve. Think about it for a moment, what Jesus said. He said, for the Son of Man came 
to seek and to save that which is lost. But he also said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but the Son of Man came to what? Serve. And if you and I are part of the body of Christ, Christ's representative on this earth, then that's what he has called us to do. He has called us to serve. But here's the question I want to ask God's people today. What happens when the body of Christ forgets the important role of service? What happens when we begin to shift our focus from serving to one of being served? What happens when our focus is no longer beyond the walls of the church, but our focus is now based on what happens within the walls of the church? Such as is a case in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, and I want us to read verses 1 to 2. Look at what God's word has to say. The vision of Isaiah is the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has what? Spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Look at verse 3. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people do not consider. The book of Isaiah in its whole is a vision that God had given to the prophet Isaiah. And when you read the book of Isaiah from the beginning to the end, the prophet makes it clear that the words that he is going to share are not his words, but they are God's words. Isaiah makes it clear that he is just a vehicle, that he is just an instrument to be used by God. And the vision that he gives here is twofold. First, to let God's people know just how angry and just how displeased God is with them. The second part of this vision is Isaiah informing God's people what's going to happen to them because of this rebellious attitude, this rebellious nature that they've had against God. And Isaiah shares with the people of Israel how God compares their rebellion to that of a disobedient child. Any parents here today? And what Isaiah has to say to his people is so important that he calls heaven and he calls the earth to serve as witnesses to what he is about to say. You see, Isaiah recognized the importance of calling witnesses to be present in case his words are ever called into question that he would have someone, or in this case, something, to back him up. Look at God's message again in verse 3 of Isaiah 1. He says, the ox knows its owner 
and the donkey knows its master's crib. Please don't miss this. God is saying that two animals, two beasts that are usually looked upon as being dumb have enough sense to obey the laws of nature. Both the ox as well as the donkey are used primarily to provide service. The ox instinctively knows its owner. The donkey knows his master's crib or the feeding trough. But when it comes to God's people, they don't have enough sense to obey the laws of God. And the reason, please don't miss this part, the reason why heaven and earth are being called to witness this is that the prophet's words, in his mind, who would know better than how it means to keep God's laws than do heaven and earth. For stars always behave as they were meant to behave once they have been placed in the heavens. The earth always revolves around its own axis and moves around the sun. The sun always sets in the west and rises in the what? East. In other words, he's saying the inanimate objects of this world know how to respond to God's laws. But when it comes to the crowning act of my creation, that which has been made in my own image, they are rebellious, they are disobedient, just as our children many times. And this is why our world today is in the shape that it is in. It is not because of politics that we are here. It is not because of some evolutionary process. The reason we are in the state we are in today is because of humanity's rebellion against the principles, the word, the law of God. Years ago, I read a book titled Whatever Became of Sin by Dr. Carl Menninger, and he's basically using the premise, why is it that we call sin everything but sin today? We call it a misstep. We call it this. We call it that. We are in the condition that we are in this world. We are in the condition that we're in in our nation. We are in this condition that we are in our own personal lives because of sin, because of our rebellious nature against God. The ox knows better. The heavens and the earth have sense enough to follow the laws of God. But when it comes to humanity, we have a rebellious nature. When you read verses 4 to 9, Isaiah gives a stark description of God's way of describing Israel's rebellious condition. He says they are a sinful nation. They are a brood of evildoers. They are forsaken of the Lord. He says their whole head is sick. He says your country is desolate and your cities are burned. He says you have wounds and sores that cannot and will not heal on its own. And I thought about that today. Our country, 
our nation, our world, our church, and even our own personal lives. We have wounds and sores that will not heal on their own. The only thing that will bring healing to these things is if we get rid of our rebellious nature and begin to follow, thus saith the Lord, who says amen to that today. But what is even more amazing than Israel's condition is the nature of her rebellion in the first place. Look at verses 11 to verse 15 of Isaiah chapter 1. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? This is God talking to his people. I have had enough of what? Burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Quickly, verse 13. Bring no futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me, God says. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting, verse 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, God says, my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. Look at verse 15. While you spread out your hands, God says, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not what? Hear your hands are full of blood. What has angered God so, believe it or not, was their worship of him. It is clear that for some reason, God has chosen to reject their worship, not their worship of idols, but God has chosen to reject their worship of him. Even though God has given them a detailed account, detailed instructions concerning the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the Sabbaths and all the other rituals and even prayer, he rejects the very thing he has commanded. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. Is God somehow contradicting himself look at the answer in verses 16 and 17 of Isaiah chapter 1 wash yourselves make yourselves what clean presentable put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes cease to do evil verse 17 learn to do good what is the good that we should be doing. Rebuke what? The oppressor. Defend the fatherless and do what? Plead for the widow. Now we see here the root of God's displeasure. Now we see what is at the very foundation. It is worship that is not manifested in how we live our lives. For worship that is not manifested in how we live our lives with each other in the sight of God is hollow worship. In other words, it is empty. Here and throughout the entire book of Isaiah, 
he exposes the inadequacy of the faith of the people who focus on loving God, but while focusing on loving God, they neglect to love man. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Power of the Serve. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Hi, this is Pastor Charles Tapp with Simple Truths for Life. As many of you know, nearly two years ago, I responded to God's call to leave Sligo Church as a senior pastor to serve in another area of ministry. But on Saturday, February the 25th, I'll be returning to the Sligo pulpit with a very timely message titled, A Crisis of Faith. You know, for the past several years, our world has encountered one major crisis after another with no apparent reprieve in sight. But there's another crisis on the horizon and is taking place in the hearts of many believers. It is the greatest crisis of all, a crisis of faith. For many of us, the recent events in our world have shaken our faith to its very core. But God has a word of hope for his people. So join us on Saturday, February the 25th at 11 a.m. at Sligo Church. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp challenges the church to go beyond the walls and offers practical solutions to showing God's love to others. As he continues with the rest of his message, the power of the serve. In spite of the fact the word of God says, how can you say you love me and whom you've never seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? And here's the problem that Israel had It is the same problem that God's people have today. Israel was too internally focused. Their focus was more on the service than service. Sound familiar? They were all caught up in the rituals and the rites and the ceremonies and the music and the praise and the this and the that. And when it finished, it finished. Once it was over, the service was over. And God is telling his people through the prophet Isaiah that when the service is over, that's when the service should begin. That's when you should go and take care of the fatherless. That's when you should go and relieve those who are oppressed. The mere fact that you are here should transform what you do out there. And in essence, God is saying, I don't care what happens in here if it doesn't make a difference out there. You can have the biggest choir, the biggest praise team. You can have the biggest this and the that and the greatest lights and everything that comes with it. But if what takes place in here does not transform you to make a difference out there, then God says, I don't want it. They worship God meticulously with their rites and with their rituals, but it never transformed their lives. They worship the God of justice and of righteousness. They worship the God who had great compassion on the homeless and the fatherless. They worship of God who was known for delivering those who had been oppressed. 
And reminder, they were the ones who had been oppressed for some 400 years, but now that God had freed them, they forgot and neglected those who were still in bondage. And God is saying to his people, why are you coming to me with all your music and all of your praise and all of your worship? I freed you to go free others. But you're so concerned about the service, you have neglected the most important thing, and that is the power of the serve. Listen, our worship and even our prayers are worthless if they are not accompanied by an active service and concern for others. We have an expression here at Sligo Church, going deeper, reaching wider. As we go deeper into God's word and deeper in relationship with God and deeper in relationship with one another, it should prepare us to go wider beyond the four walls of our church into the community to make a difference. And if all we're going to do is come from week to week and praise God and worship him as, oh, that music was great. It was the best thing I've ever heard in life. But then we go out into the world and we pass by the homeless and we don't take care of the fatherless and we see those who are oppressed and we say, no, 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 no. We shouldn't get involved in that. God says that I don't want your worship. Prophet Isaiah continues with this theme in chapter 58 of verses 6 and 8. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of what? Wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break what? Every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you do what? Cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Look at verse 8. Said, if you do all this, then your light shall break forth in the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your what? Rear God. In other words, God is saying, I've got your back if you do this. In verses 1 to 5 of Isaiah 58, God's people are asking him, God, why don't you respond to our fast? We've been fasting every week. Why don't you respond to our prayers? Why don't you respond to our sacrifices? In other words, God is asking his people a question today that he's still asking us. And it is simply this, whose lives are different because of my worship? Whose life is different because of your worship? Better yet, whose lives are different because this church is here? What impact is this church having beyond the four walls within we worship? And a major problem with the church today, and I'm not talking about just Sligo, I'm talking about the whole concept and idea of church. A major problem with church today is that we are in the business of building walls instead of being in the business of building bridges to our communities. If most of what we do remains behind these walls, then what good is our worship? 
For a church that spends all of its time at church is of no good to God. You know who said that? I did. You didn't just hear me? You know, many times individuals will call the church office asking for a pastor and sometimes a pastor's not there and they can't understand for the life of them why a pastor isn't there nine, ten hours a day, five days a week in the office. We try to help them to understand that's not the job of a pastor. That's the job of an office manager. That's the job of a secretary. The job of a pastor is to be in the home, is to be in the hospital, is to be in the school, is to be in the courts, is to be in the prison, is to be in the civic meetings. That's the job of a pastor. If you call a church and you can always get your pastor, I have to challenge that pastor's mission of why he or she is a pastor. And if you find a church where all of their activity is focused within the walls of the church, I submit to you today, that church has either lost or forgotten its mission. We can have the best service. We can have the best teachings, the best youth program. But if we're not planting what we have in here, out there, God says, why are you bringing me your worship? If the church ever forgets that it's in their ability to serve that makes us who we are, we are placing ourselves in danger of losing the favor of God. We are so pregnant on worship and teaching and instruction. But what are we doing with it? All right, young people, here's the quote that Pastor Hazel was talking about by Martin Luther King Jr. He says, everybody can be what? Can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree or a master's degree or a doctorate degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. Amen? You need it to agree to pass that test, though. You only need what, he says? A heart full of what? Grace. A soul that is generated by love. And here's the thing about all of us who say we love God. Until we begin to love the things that God loves, we will never truly understand what it means to love God. Until we begin to understand and have a love for the things that God loves, we will never fully be able to understand our ability to love God. And Israel was challenged and she was about to go into bondage because she got so caught up in worship, in the service, that she forgot that the purpose of the service is to motivate us to serve. The purpose of having been freed is so that we could go help to free others. We're going deeper so we can reach wider. And until what we do in here really begins to impact what we do out there, we are in danger of losing the favor of God in our lives.
It's time for the church to go into the prisons and not just have a service, but to give service. It's time for us to go beyond these four walls and to go into our workplaces and show what the church looks like, show what true worship is, not singing a song, reading a verse, but living a life that gives glory to God. That's why God placed the church on the earth, not just to save men's souls in the end, but to care for men's souls even now. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at this theme of going beyond the walls. And next week, I've titled the message, Jesus in Disguise, because God has placed it on our hearts to begin to motivate us as never before to truly be the church and to give service, because there is powerful in the serve, the most powerful shot in the game of tennis is the serve. The most powerful shot in the church is the serve. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Power of the Serve. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. They think that they're giving service to me and all they're doing is trying to serve themselves even in the worship of me. Next week, Charles Tapp asks the question, would Jesus ever wear a disguise? You'll have to listen next week to find the answer as he continues with this series of messages going beyond the walls with part two, Jesus in disguise. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.